0: 411 Live. Where well, you
1: can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411 Live.
0: Real people, real talk.
1: Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl.
0: 411 Live. We all have tragedies in our lives, difficulties, uh, major challenges. The thing of it is, what do you do when you come out of those things? Even trauma. For some people, they put it behind themselves and they don't want to think about it. Put it as far back as possible. Then there are other people who look at what they went through and seek what they can learn from it. Then they take what they learned to help others. Hello, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live Real People, Real Talk. My guest today took the latter road. She looked at things that happened in her past for how she could help others. LaTanya Baker, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: LaTanya is the CEO of GOE Trendsetters, GOE standing for Generation of Excellence, right? Do you say GOE or do you say Go? G-O-E. Okay, great. I like the title. I like what Generation of Excellence. That says a whole lot right there. Thank you. Now, you started this agency focused primarily on prenatal care, right? That's correct. Why did you do that? You know, because we're in Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. and the uh, infant mortality rate, the maternal mortality rate, just terrible. Is that what kind of pushed you in this field, or was there something else?
1: It was something else. My sister was actually working as a prenatal care coordinator, and she was like, you know what, I think this is something that you may like doing. You're always giving resources, so uh, why don't you check it out? So she showed me how to actually sign people up for the program. Started off with about five women, because at the time I was working at a daycare, and that five grew to about 25 in less than 30 days. And oh, I was wow! Like, whoa. And it was all word of mouth, just all my clients telling other clients, like, hey, I'm getting some help, and this... This this, and that, and then I then started doing the research on why the program was even developed, and it made me think about years ago. I think I was probably about maybe seventeen at the time when I had my first child. And there were a lot of babies ending up in garbage cans because women did not. They were either embarrassed about being pregnant. They didn't have the tools or resources to go to someone about adoption, about abortion, or just about their choices or options. And it made me think about that. And I was like, whoa, something has to be done about this. And
0: Okay, I got to stop you right there. So when you say garbage cans, are you talking about literal or figuratively?
1: Oh, no. Garbage cans. It was around the time that Tupac came out with the song "Brenda Had a Baby," and in Milwaukee there were. I remember even on Center Street, it was like around 22nd and Center. A friend of mine had just moved into a house over there, and they found a the baby in a garbage can. A young lady had given herself an abortion at home. So I remember there were so many stories going on at that time about finding babies in garbage cans because people were going to people's houses to have abortions at home, where they were doing it themselves.
0: Oh my gosh. I didn't realize that.
1: Oh yeah. And that was the first thing that came to mind when I when I heard about infant mortality and, and the increase in the state of Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So with the prenatal care that you were providing mm. and people were coming to you, mm-hmm. what were they saying?
1: I mean, So when you sign a client up, you complete an assessment on them to find out what their issues or what their barriers are. And in most cases, it was, you know, living in a home with someone who had molested them and they had mm. never talked about it, never had gotten any type of therapy or counseling, lack of transportation, lack of housing. We assume that because someone has insurance, that they are knowledgeable about finding a good doctor, and finding a good doctor is essential to finding a good hairdresser. When we find someone that can do our that can do our hair, we develop a relationship with them, and we we tend to keep going to them because of that relationship. And sometimes when we instruct our clients on finding a doctor it's not so much as to the location is convenient. It's no, what type of relationship do you have with this doctor? Is this doctor being informative when they're giving you information? And then we're advocating for them when they're going to these doctor's appointments. A lot of times they don't go to the doctor when they find out they're pregnant. Sometimes they find out they're pregnant because of um, an emergency situation. So, you know, it's a personal conversation that we're having with them and we're finding out that um, they may not even want anyone to know that they're pregnant because they're pregnant by a family member. So we're running, Into a lot of these issues. So, what I did was, I started with their mindset. Yeah. Let's start there um, because it's not so much as you need a job, you need a house, you need transportation. Where's your mindset and what can we do to modify that first? And then we can start looking at some of these other goals that need to be accomplished.
0: I like what you were talking about advocating with them or for them with their physician because it makes me think of Serena Williams when mm-hmm. she went through her pregnancy and she was complaining and people were kind of ignoring what she was saying mm-hmm. and then finding out that she was really sick. Sometimes black women aren't heard. Mm-hmm. So th- that is tremendous. Now, Now, so let me ask you, we had the pandemic. How Mm -hmm. did that affect you?
1: Oh, wow. During the pandemic, we had about 300 plus clients sign up with our our services during the pandemic. Shows that the service is definitely needed. And most of our clientele comes from word of mouth. Though we do advertise on social media, majority of the clients that we do have come from word of mouth. Other clients telling other clients about our services.
0: So it's definitely needed. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah. So first you f- you focused on this mm-hmm. and all the things that you you mentioned, mm-hmm. and then you started to expand. Yes, the business. So this is more than a prenatal care agency, right? Yes. So where did you know? How did those tentacles kind of start start forming?
1: I consider us to be the people's agency. Um, okay. I stop even referring to our agency as a prenatal care agency because we. Provide so many services. Um, being that we saw so many people were facing so many housing issues, we opened mm-hmm. up a transitional living home. So we've um, ran our transitional living home for two years now with no funding. Um, wow. We have such an amazing staff that our staff comes and they just volunteer at the house. And we open it up for our clients, but we've actually housed clients who are not our clients as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what we do is we take them in, we provide housing, we provide financial um education, um, home economics, things, classes that were taken out of NPS. So we provide those type of classes. We teach them how to balance a checkbook, how to um, create a grocery store list, how to yeah. do couponing. And we We establish relationships with them. And even though they're our clients, it allows for us to really, really, really get to know them on a one-on-one basis. And their coordinators actually come to the house and they spend time with them. We actually have an in-house counselor, a life coach. Um, And a lot of the women, they just, they don't have much of a support system. We are Mm -hmm. all that they have. Um, And being that I was once homeless before... Um, it gave me an opportunity to sit down with some of these women and say, hey, I was once you, and this does not have to be you. So we were able to open three additional locations. Um, We have one on the south side, one off of Mayfair Road. Um, We just opened that about maybe five months ago. And then our corporate office is off of Mill Road, and then we're opening up our second transitional living home.
0: Okay. So now these women, they are unable to pay? I mean, where does your funding come
1: from? We don't have any funding. Um, like I said, it's our staff that volunteers. Um, hopefully, we'll have funding coming soon now that we have a grant writer on staff. But a lot of it, again, is just our our staff caring for the clients. Um, they come in. Um, we have one person on payroll that works the morning shift. Um, then our afternoon, our evening shift is just staff volunteering just to come by and just checking on the women.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. You know, at the beginning, I was talking about um, using your past experience, life experiences mm-hmm. um, and learning from it mm-hmm. and then helping others. That whole thing that you're talking about, kind of nurturing the whole person, mm-hmm. when we talked uh, what yesterday day before yesterday, mm-hmm. we were talking about your mom yes. and what happened with your mom mm-hmm. and how that evolved into other things. Tell me about your mom, first of all.
1: Oh, wow. My mom was amazing. Um, I'm grateful that when, when, we, when, when she passed, it was unexpected. Let me just start there. Mm-hmm. And I used to hear my mom say, um, you know, when I go, I want to go like my mother did. And I never paid much attention. I didn't know what she meant by that. And when she passed, unexpected, it was in her sleep. And to get that call at almost four o'clock in the morning from my sister screaming in my ear, it was just like, no, nah, I know you're not telling me this. Because we we have a plan, but then God has a different plan. So yeah. my plan was when I get rich and make all this money, I'm going to buy my mom a house mm-hmm. and you know I'm going to take care of her and this, this, that. And God was like, yeah, nah, that's not how it's going to happen. So when she passed, I was so upset. I was angry. Yeah. I was just like, you know, you took the best thing that ever happened to me and It was almost like I wanted to square up with God. Like, I'm like, show your face. You took the best thing that ever happened to me. So I was angry for a very long time and I was hurt. And it got to the point that I didn't even want to wake up. I'm like, you took her while she was in her sleep. Take Mm -hmm. me. And then it got to the point that I was scared to go to sleep. So I decided to live I'm like, you know what? She wouldn't want me to live like this. Let me not allow her death to go in vain. So I started just researching my family history, because I found out that her mother passed in her sleep, and her mother's mother passed in her sleep. So now there's three generations of women who all pass in their sleep from symptoms that I have: obesity, stress, hypertension, and sleep apnea. I was just diagnosed with that. Uh, my mom was just diagnosed with that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got to do something about yeah. this. And it didn't happen overnight. It took, you know, some praying. It took more research. Um, it took me being disciplined and um, just saying, you know what, let me just really break this cycle. Um, I'm a firm believer that every generation is supposed to get better not stay the same. Mm, that's good. So I decided to break the cycle. And I wrote on a sticky note in 2016. She passed in 2012. And in 2016, I wrote on a sticky note that I'm breaking cycles. And our fashion show was titled Breaking the Cycle. Um, And I've just been on this amazing journey ever since.
0: Oh, wow. And so you were talking about not only healthy living, Mm -hmm. healthy eating, Mm -hmm. um, and that financial arm of it. Yes. You know, making sure that you are financially
1: literate. Correct. 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 Uh, When my mother passed, um, we were kind of going through her house, you know, packing some things up. And literally the next morning, her bank called and was like, oh, we were just calling to confirm your appointment for your life insurance policy. And I'm like, well, my mom passed last night. So she had life insurance, but she let it lapse. And we didn't know that. Um, So when we were kind of just collecting her things and getting things together, we were finding disconnect notices. And my mother was taking care of so many other people. I'm like, how was she taking care of so many other people? But you know, she was struggling. Mm. And I can remember growing up, um, I remember her working several jobs, and I remember her struggling. She didn't talk about it, but I could tell. Um, And it's not like we were poor, but we didn't have a lot of things that I saw other people have. She did the best that she could. So I thought that that, that's what it took to be an adult. You know, you're supposed to live check to check. Um, You're supposed to work several jobs, and you're supposed to barely have enough. So that's what I grew up doing. And I found myself living just like her. Um, And I kept trying to find a solution, but I kept making the same decisions. Mm. And so when she passed, I was just like, this is not how life is supposed to be. I don't want my children going through my house finding out that, um, you know, I was behind in my bills or my life insurance. That's not fair to them. And then I need to show them how it's supposed to be done. And again, it didn't happen overnight. You know, it took dedication. It took me really reteaching myself. And though my mother was a wonderful person, you know, she was just a product of her environment. She wasn't taught that. They didn't talk about financial literacy. They didn't talk about teaching your children how to build credit, putting your children on your credit to help them build credit at a younger age. I didn't learn this stuff until about three years ago. Um, And I think some people think that when they get to a certain age, it's like, oh, whatever. It's not as long as you have breath in your body, right. it's never always, too late. It's never too late yeah. to do better. So um I'm thankful enough to say that, you know, when she passed in two thousand and twelve, it all makes sense now. Though yeah. I miss her so much, it mm-hmm. all makes sense now. Um so, you know, even with my children, my three sons are amazing. They help me run my empire every day my oldest son I told him I said you have to take over one day so it's time for you you know to learn now so they're learning about credit yeah. um they're learning about running an empire they're learning about an LLC they're learning about a life insurance policy investments and things of that nature so I'm doing um what I wish would have been done during my time mm-hmm. and that's okay that it wasn't done um I'm a vessel and I'm okay that I'm a vessel so I'm just trying to teach them that you know there's a better way to live your life
0: right You're leading um, uh, a positive generational legacy, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. That's great. That is so great. And so you are plugging what you learned into this business. Yes. And,
1: you know, leaving a legacy with these clients. Yes. Yes. Are they uh, like sponges? Yes. And we have clients who have um, some amazing success stories, um, I never do the bare minimum. so with prenatal care you know you, you're told to provide resources and you know make sure that they're going to the doctor and they're living healthy and that's that's okay but we we took a a, a not notch higher and um, one of our clients actually wrote a book. Um, She's filming a movie. Oh, my god! She purchased her her first home. We helped her build her credit. Um, And we have about five clients now that are no longer eligible for the services because they're so stable now. And we're actually going to um, allow them to become care coordinators and work for us so that they can... Keep recycling the program and and helping other clients do what we did for them. That's um, right. And that's I, and I think that that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to teach others how to do the same thing to help others.
0: Absolutely. Okay. We're gonna take a break. We're okay. gonna come back and we're gonna talk about more of the success that you've you've been experiencing. Okay. This is the four one one live. Real people, real talk. Stay with us.
1: I'm an ex drug dealer, and I'll be your sub today. 30, 30, 30. Two milligrams of fentanyl can be lethal. A lethal dose is in here. Who gets it, I won't know.
0: It's cheap, it's potent, and it's profitable. The sad reality is, fentanyl is being mixed into everything now. More kitchen now. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time hero to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. A free online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to start boosting your retirement savings today. Start saving more for retirement so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Visit aceyourretirement.org. And welcome back to the 411 Live. I am talking to LaTanya Baker, and she's telling us some extraordinary, some wonderful success stories from your business and you were talking about your clients you know an author uh buying a house um people you know progressing and now they're coming back to be caregivers or helping the other ladies that might come through uh did you expect it to flourish like this
1: not like this no um i knew that um it was going to be big, but I didn't expect it. I'm not even going to say expect it. I didn't realize it was going to be this big mm-hmm. because I learned how to not ask God for small things. Mm. You know, I, I settled for so long in my life, I started asking God for big things. Um, and it's it's funny because when I met my amazing brand manager, Kev, we talked about our first project together and um, the song to Kaylin Carr Major. I was like, when I hear that song, I can see myself when my hand slipped it up and I can see myself going in a circle in a dream. And ever since he and I met, he was like, everything you do is going to be major. So wow. it just, it just all makes sense. Now I, I ended up just trusting the process.
0: That's good. That's good. Talking about, uh, and this is uh, getting deep. So if I get into territory, you don't want to talk about you, mm-hmm. let me know. Okay. okay. You were talking about some of the women and what they're they're facing. Some of them are facing coming out of traumatic mm-hmm. experiences which can make a person uh feel stuck, mm-hmm. right? How do you push them or help them through that?
1: Transparency. Um I'm always transparent with them. Um though I myself don't actually do the case management anymore because I'm so busy running the mm-hmm. businesses, I still have a relationship with my 30-plus clients. Um, and I even tried to reassign them to other staff members. They're like, nope, <laughs> not having it. Same with you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they still call, you know, when they're having their moments, when, you know, it's something with their kids. Um, but I'm always transparent with them. Always transparent.
0: When we talk about transparency, mm-hmm. um, you reveal something to me that... Um, I. I I'm grateful that you're willing to talk about this because Mm -hmm. as we talked on the phone, there are so many people that I'm discovering have similar stories Mm -hmm. and yours is being molested as a child. Yes. How old were you?
1: Um, I remember I was in the second grade because I was attending Green Bay Avenue School. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to be about maybe six, seven around the time.
0: Yeah, that's really young. Mm -hmm. And this was a babysitter? Yes. Yes. Or a couple of babysitters, I think. Yes. What happened?
1: Um, So from what I can remember, like I said, um, the owner of the building, um, she and my mom ended up becoming really good friends. So, again, I can see why my mom trusted her. Um, She was one of those type of um, landlords that, you know, when we bought home good grade, She gave us money. They owned a store downstairs. So she would give us treats. She treated us really well. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know if she knew that her daughters were, you know, molesting us. And it would only happen when the oldest daughter would come home from the army. Um, I remember her—the first time I ever met her, she was in her army uniform, and I was a little scared because she had like this, like gear on. And I was like, "Oh my God, there's a woman that looks like she's about to go fight." Right. But she was very pretty. She had pretty eyes. She was light skinned She had long hair, um, and you know, she was really nice to us. Um, and the first time it happened, um, it was me, her, and her middle-aged sister in the bathroom. Um, it, it and it kept happening every time she was home. Um, so she, they would tell me that you know not to tell my mom, not to tell anybody, and if I ever did, that they would make sure that you know we get we would get kicked out of our apartment. Um, they would kill my mom. They would hurt my sister. And at the time, I didn't real I didn't know that they were molesting my little sister. She didn't tell me until years later, Um, but what ended up happening was I kind of just put it behind me like it never happened until I actually ran into her when I was in my middle 20s. The molester. Yes. Yeah. I I actually ran into the middle sister, and I remember kind of backing up a little bit. The middle sister tried to molest me while the older sister wasn't there, and I was like, we can't do this. Your sister is not here. And when I told my story um, to another young lady that interviewed me, she said, well, you were actually being loyal to your molester. And I was like, oh, my God, I was. And I didn't realize it until I actually said it. Yeah. And I said, and now it makes sense why I chose the wrong friends that continue to hurt me. And I kept trying to prove my loyalty to them. That started at the age of six. So um, when I t- looked at her and told her, I'm like, you know, your sister's not here. We, sh- we shouldn't be doing this. She was just embarrassed. Um, But when the sister would come back, it would happen. So I ran into the middle sister in my middle 20s, and I froze up like that six-year-old kid again. And it was a really good friend of mine at the time that was at a club with me, and I was like, we got to go. And she was like, we just got here. We just paid $20. I'm like, we have to go. And back then, $20 was a lot. So she was like, well, I need my $20 back. And I'm like, we'll talk about it later. So we Mm -hmm. get outside, and I tell her. And she was like, oh, no, we're going back in there to fight her. And I'm like, no. And she was like, you don't back down from a fight. What's going on? And I just lost it. And she was like, oh, my God. So I went home. I told my mom. And she blamed herself. She was like, how did I miss it? And I was like, you didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't tell you. And she was just like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it was nothing that you could have did because I see why you trusted them. I see why you trusted them. So it was, um, I called my sister and I, I said, hey, do you remember such and such? Did they ever, and before I can get the question out, she was like, yes. And mm. I was like, why didn't you tell me? So now as a big sister, I'm like, I, I would have protected you. And she was like, well, they threatened me. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow, we kept this from each other for over 20 years. Um, so I decided to speak out about it in my first book. Um, and it was therapeutic for me. Um, and, and as we I stated on our conversation, a lot of people reached out to me that I knew personally mm-hmm. and people I didn't know and was like, thank you for sharing your story because yeah. that happened to me too. And now I see why I made, you know, some of the decisions that I made. And a lot of times, um, you know, what I find is that I had to reevaluate myself, like, why am I who I am? And why did I make some of the decisions I made? Why did I let certain things happen to me? Because people do what we allow them to do. And- mm-hmm. I started with my childhood. You know, it started with me. Um, I, what I got out of that situation is that people who say that they're going to protect you and love you, they're also going to hurt you and it's okay. But it's not okay.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got the wrong message. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, So what is the name of the book, by the way?
1: Um, The first book is When She Speaks. When She Speaks. That's the first book. That's the first book. We have a second book. Yes, the second book is To Make a Certain. Um, That's another collaborative book that I just did with some amazing women in in Milwaukee. Um, We just actually finished it up, so we're hoping um, to launch it in March during our conference.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So I'm going to kind of skate through because our time is coming, uh, you know, getting about to close. but. So you take this, you've got all this, you can be transparent with these women, Mm -hmm. telling your story, they trust you, Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, she knows, I can trust her. Mm -hmm. You move it on, and then you have all this to the transitional housing and all of that. This isn't, but your organization is just not for women. Correct. You cater to men too, right? Correct. How are you helping men?
1: Oh, wow. Um, so we recently partnered with the Fatherhood Initiative um, organization, and um, they also partner with one of our partner companies, Unite WI, um, which allows us as community health workers to provide case management services to men. Mm-hmm. So... Um, same thing with the women. We we complete an assessment and we find out, you know, what their barriers are and we assist them accordingly. And I'm proud to say that my son is the leading care coordinator assisting men in Wisconsin. And it's therapeutic to him. Um, you know, I was married to his father, but his father was not the best father. Um, but he decided not to let that be his story. So, yeah. um, you know, he's taken what he's learning. He's like a miniature me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's taking what he's learning from me and he's helping men. And they've actually um, referred a lot of clients to him as well.
0: Oh, wow. So what areas?
1: uh, Um, It really doesn't matter. It really does not matter. As long as you're in Milwaukee County.
0: Okay. And the the areas for the assistance. I mean, what are men going through that, you know, he's helping them with?
1: You know what? Um, Some men are going through um, abuse. Mm. Domestic violence, um, insecurities, molestation themselves. Um, And, and, you know, we provide a safe space for them to talk about that. Um, uh, Child support issues. There are actually some men out here that want to be fathers, but they deal with a lot of broken women. Um, And I said something a couple months ago um, at an event that I was at, and um, there's this ugly cycle out here where, and I've seen personally, I can only speak for what I've seen, I've seen um, women be very bitter at their child's father and they instill that bitterness into their sons mm. and their sons grow up bitter and they do the same thing to another woman and that cycle just keeps repeating itself and at some point we have to stop that at some point um, because at the end of the day we made a choice to have a child by that man that child had no opportunity had no choice in that yeah and and if it didn't work out it didn't work out um but it's not fair that we instill ugliness and negative into a child because of how we feel about their father. There are so many unhealthy relationships, which is why we now have a parenting class um, about healthy relationships. If it didn't work out, at least try to learn how to co-parent. Because if you don't, then you're going to just keep repeating that ugly cycle and then your son is going to grow up and do the same thing to another woman or your daughter is going to grow up and feel like she has to be bitter towards another man. And I see it a lot. I see a lot of clients who they just they they don't have a healthy relationship with their child's father and the, and the child is in the in the middle of all that and it just doesn't um it's not good on the child it's not good on anybody
0: right right so. if somebody listening um, and, and they're thinking, you know, I, I can use some of these services, especially with that parenting, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things, or job skills or mm-hmm. whatever, how do they, what's the best way to
1: get in touch with you? So there's a couple other options. We actually are in collaboration with another prenatal care agency, JMJ, prenatal care, um, CEO and founder, Dr. Melissa Bond. So, um, one of the reasons why we decided to partner was because, um, she's a, an amazing trainer. I'm the visionary. I'm the one that puts all the events together, the different ideas, and we just make it happen together. Um, so we have a website, um, a collaborative website is www.trendsetters and jmj.com. And then we also have a toll free number, which is 888-203-8808.
0: Okay. Uh, we have one minute left okay. is there anything you want to leave with people
1: sure if I could encourage anybody my, my mission well let me just say this everything that I do um, I think it found me I don't think I found it um, I pulled over in the car one day and I, I asked God I'm like what is my purpose Yeah. and he revealed it to me he was like you know you're a service person serve people and I, I love serving people um so my advice to anybody is if you don't know what your purpose is, ask God. Yeah. Um, I know everybody is not religious, but there is a higher power. You know, ask him what is your purpose and he'll reveal it to you. Um, I don't think you find your purpose. I think your purpose finds you. And when you find it, share it. And don't take advantage of it. Um, and when you are blessed with the platform that I've been blessed with, you know you make sure that you impact lives and you change lives. And that's that's what my mission is: is to always stay humble, impact and change lives, and don't settle because I settled for a very long time. Yeah. Don't ask for little; always go big. All right. I love it. I love
0: it. Well, Tanya Baker, you have been a pleasure to talk to. You. Um, your life experience has—I mean. I don't, I don't know what to say, but to look at what you have pulled from that is so inspiring, and um, I thank you for what you're doing.
1: I thank you for having
0: me. Oh yeah. So my guest, Latanya Baker, she is founder and CEO of G O E Trendsetter. And she's doing a lot of other things, too, that we didn't get a chance to talk about. The woman's into fashion, and you can look at her, and you can kind of tell that. So thank you again for joining us, and thank you for joining us for another episode. Remember, we're a nonprofit organization, so if you are so inclined, go to our website, the411live.org, and you can help us out to bring people like this aboard, because the messages that we get on this podcast, podcasts have been uh, inspiring, very inspiring to me. So thank you for joining us for another episode. Until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor and this is The 411 Live. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like and watch us on Facebook, watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.